This is CrossCut Reports. I'm Sarah Bernard. Today, veteran Seattle arts and culture reporter Marcy Silman joins me to talk about dance. So this was a rehearsal of a piece called Stardust by... Specifically, the undergraduate dance department at the University of Washington. Not only is the small department trying to decenter European perspectives in its course offerings, like many others on campus, but it's also recently made a change that in some ways seeks to reevaluate what an undergraduate degree in dance even means. What is mastery? Who are the gatekeepers of it? And in a world where so much information is right at our fingertips, what is the goal of a higher education in the arts? Just curious, what does dance mean to you? I like performance of all kinds, but I have loved dance for a very, very long time. And I think for me, it just touches my soul. That sounds so corny, but it's really kind of true that when I'm in a dance performance, if everything is operating on all cylinders, like the dancers are good, the material's good, I'm leaning into it. I think collectively we are taken um, to a place that I think of as the real state of grace. And so I always compare the best of dance performances to uh a spiritual experience for me. I'm not a churchgoer, but mm-hmm. I imagine it to be what religious folk think of as communion. So mm-hmm. for me, a great dance performance is, is being in communion with artists and audience members. My name is Marcy Silman. I'm a longtime cultural reporter. I've been covering the art scene in Seattle and the greater Pacific Northwest for about 40 years. I've been working for CrossCut for the past couple of years, mostly, almost exclusively, writing about dance. Do you dance? Or do you prefer to watch dance and experience it from that perspective? I have taken dance classes. I have really bad osteoarthritis, Mm -hmm. and so I I can't really dance. Um, I've watched dance since I was a really little kid. My parents, well, not my father, but my mother took me to see Rudolf Nureyev and Margot Fontaine. And we are honored as Rudolf Nureyev comes tonight to make his solo American television debut. It was sort of the end of her career, the height of his stardom. Um, I, I have very strong memories of that. So I've always really loved going to dance. But I, I think my job is more as a translator for people who in particular, don't think they know anything about dance. I do write for dance-exclusive publications as well, Mm. um, and that's a different kind of article. But I think what I'm always trying to do with it is translate the experience that I see the dancers having and the dance makers having. Nothing gives me the thrill that covering dance does. So as you recently reported for CrossCut, University of Washington has put together kind of a new version of its undergraduate program in dance. And it just started this past fall. Can you tell me about that change? What's new and different now at the University of Washington's dance program? The University of Washington 
dance program, first of all, is a Bachelor of Arts. It's not a Bachelor of Fine Arts. Uh, Bachelor <laughs> of Fine Arts is usually, I guess I would say, a professional track. So the BA in dance at the University of Washington um, has always been theoretically open to anybody who wanted to major in dance. There may have been a point in time where there was auditions, but it hasn't been the case. So it's not like, you know, a ballet training school or something like that. This mm -hmm. is really for everybody. But I think two things have changed starting in the fall of 2022. One of them is that, like many universities in this country and around the world, I think they were trying to decenter. European, Western European dance traditions. And um, to do that, that meant, for example, exploring dance traditions of the African diaspora, and that could be hip-hop, it could be tap, it could be jazz. So there's more diversity in the type of course offerings. The chair of the department, Christine Sunardi, who's actually a professor of music, um, hmm. but shares the dance department, hmm. said that there are a certain number of what they call div classes, which are diversity classes. Hmm. And those are required. They're required for the students in each department. So they already had to do that. But what what they really think is unique to their program is that they have restructured it so that instead of a sequential and ever more difficult layer of dance classes, you have to take four different kinds of dance originally. So you could take ballet, tap, hip-hop, and Chinese dance. And then you can focus on any of those, or you could just keep dipping your toe in. The way that they think about mastery is not that you become ever more refined in one technique. It's that you move your body and you and you master a lot of ways to think about that kind of movement. Hmm. And in addition to, to just trying to spread it out and welcome more people in, I think, you know, another big thing is sort of what does studying the arts in general do for a student who might be majoring in business or economics. So they're really looking for those dual majors, somebody who wants to dance and maybe do biology or French, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but as you reported, there was some, it, was, it wasn't very easy, right? Oh, no. It was, it was the opposite of easy. <laughs> the way that the university works is that there are a series of um, campus-wide, and it may be multi-campus-wide, I'm not actually sure, but there's a lot of curriculum committees. So anybody who wants to change the name of a course, the number of a course, not just like something even deeper, which is what the dance department did, mm -hmm. has to bring that to these committees. And, you know, they would take this stuff in and they would get all this feedback, which was like, no, 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 no. And then they would revise and re rethink. And I think ultimately they changed, I believe it was 32 course numbers. Where were the sticking points exactly? What, what were they getting? What, what ideas were getting rejected? It wasn't um, broadening the kinds of coursework because, in fact, that is required at the University of Washington. I think one of the big sticking points was when they wanted to 
reclassify courses that had been at the 100 level? What makes a class worthy, if you will? I'm not sure that's the right word, but why should that be remade a 200-level or 300-level class, um, which are the, you know, traditionally upper-level classes? And so it's really pushing against that whole notion of of the ivory tower and, you know, we are masters of these things, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a definition that has, you know, it's changed outside the walls of academia. I think it's slower to percolate in. Mm-hmm. So, as you mentioned, it's a it's a Bachelor of Arts program. It's not necessarily designed to create professional dancers. It's not like a vocational program, if you will. But then it did sort of hold on, I guess, in the past to this idea of the mastery of a certain kind of technique or something. Yeah, and the technique was Western dance tradition. What we generally think of as modern dance, which started in the 20th, well, kind of late 19th, but the 20th century, um, mostly in the United States, but also there's European traditions. And um, so there's a lot of that. And then ballet. And the faculty traditionally knew how to, to do that, how to teach that. The dance department, once upon a time, was in the physical education program at the U., um, and and not only at the University of Washington, I think that that was the case at a lot of places. And so even the recognition that dance was a valid art form and belonged on a university campus, I think, came late to the University of Washington. And um, the University of Washington had really focused on on the Western traditions and probably until maybe the last decade, you know, hmm. when it started having guest faculty um, and right now, uh, adjunct faculty or, you know, folks who have contracts that are able to mm-hmm. teach African dance traditions or Afro-American dance traditions because mm-hmm. the faculty didn't really have that expertise. You bring up an important point, I think, about um, when we talk about the centrism of Europe in institutions of higher education, where we're often talking about the faculty. Um, so the majority, if not all of the faculty, full-time faculty in the dance department are people whose expertise lies in the Western tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There are five teaching faculty and, and then a whole bunch of adjunct faculty members who are able to teach these dance traditions. And that also includes the six grad students in the MFA program. Um, Several of them teach courses as well. And that enables the UW to actually offer more kinds of, of dance. I'm trying to use this platform to meld my two backgrounds in studio hip hop choreography and, and modern dance. This is like true I'm... beyond the walls of the university. I mean, this is a conversation that's happening um, where we're sitting. Pacific Northwest Ballet is just a block or two away. And the conversations about diversity have been ongoing there for quite some time. It doesn't start just with hiring dancers because you actually have to have the dancers trained. So it starts in the schools. Mm. It starts in in who is taking classes and who sees themselves in the faculty. So it is, a, and beyond that, um, sort of who who's making the decisions. So... Mm-hmm. Um, 
we just talked about all those curriculum committees at the University of Washington. Like, I don't know who's on those curriculum committees. Mm-hmm. I asked, but they wouldn't tell me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it's interesting. It sounds like maybe, I guess we don't have all the details. We weren't in all the meetings. But it sounds like maybe the resistance to the proposals coming uh, from the dance department wasn't so much to the broadening to other forms of dance besides ballet and modern. It was more about the concept of mastery and the idea, the sort of structure of the program. That I, was more. I, I think that that's completely true. Yeah, yeah. But I guess, so in the end, it worked, <laughs> I guess. In the end, it's a work in progress. Yeah. Um, they got the approval. The changes have been made. They're all in place starting this academic year. But um, Nia Amina Minor, the choreographer, um, said to me when I interviewed her for the story that, yeah, the changes they've made are a good first step. And now what they have to think about is diversifying the faculty and the decision makers. And and when that happens, the offerings, I mean, it's not like overnight, woo, everything's changed, but, but it, that is where she sees the next step. And I think that the faculty recognize that as well. And and I think also figuring out how they can bring in a wider pool of graduate students. I do have to say, of the six graduate students, four are, are people of color. So, you know, they have done what they say they want to do. And not all of them come out of various traditions that they want represented in terms of dancing. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, it seems like, as you've reported, it's really important at least to get this program rolling, to get this change rolling, it's really important that they hire graduate students um, who have expertise and appetite for different forms of dance. Um, right. Well, most people who are professional dancers start being professional dancers when they're 17 or 18 or 19 years old because that's when their bodies are in their energetic prime and they have all their cartilage in their limbs, mm-hmm. unlike old people like me. And and that's what happens. And if you um, are training to be a Broadway dancer, you're spending your whole life going to school. So some of them don't have high school degrees, mm-hmm. let alone college degrees. Um, mm-hmm. So a big university like the University of Washington to get into a master's program, you have to have a bachelor's degree. Hmm. Uh, there's not a thing about equivalent experience. Hmm. It, this is not how it works there. So, wow. so yeah. recruiting people who happen to have bachelors of arts or fine arts, it's harder. It's really mm-hmm. hard. And the MFA program is very much for professional dancers who want to get the credentials so they can teach at a higher level. Mm-hmm. And... So it's like this catch-22. Abdiel Jacobson, who is teaching hustle and other um, club dance forms, and who is about to get a Master's of Fine Arts, I think, at the end of this semester, or maybe the end of spring semester in June, happened to have a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree from a school in in Philadelphia that is very much sort of like a Cornish College of the Arts. Mm -hmm. They told me that they have a a friend who they think would be a great MFA candidate, 
no bachelor's degree. <laughs> and so somebody who really could add to the program is automatically barred just because they don't have a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't sound like it's going to change anytime soon, that requirement. No. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that was so interesting in reporting this story, in particular talking with Abdel, is their whole notion of what a university should be. And for me, I think Abdel and I'm sure many other students are thinking, gosh, in an era where really you can Google any piece of information that you want or whatever your search engine of choice might be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's at your fingertips. The whole world is there. And so, you know, you go to academia to have a mentor, <laughs> mm-hmm. to to have that sort of, you know, very enriching and invigorating atmosphere of intellectual exchange. And for Abdiel, it's about human communication. It's also, what is it to master something? I mean, is it just that you have that piece of paper and you spent four years, you know, having to take three science classes and three PE classes and three art classes or whatever your distribution requirements are? Is that... Is that it? Is that is that the epitome of what higher education is? Or is higher education something where your whole self is engaged in a real passionate way and that you're bringing your life experience to it as well? I think Abdiel's point is like education is not about being a job factory. It's about being educated. It's about it's about the human spirit. Thanks for listening to Crosscut Reports. This episode was reported by Marcy Silman and produced by me, Sarah Bernard. Our story editor and executive producer is Mark Baumgarten. You can subscribe to Crosscut Reports wherever you listen. And whatever platform you're listening on, please review us. We'd love to know what you think of the show. Also, if you'd like to support the work we do at Crosscut, whether it's our lineup of podcasts, the live events we host every month, or the in-depth reporting we deliver every day, go to crosscut.com membership. In addition to supporting our journalism, members receive complete access to the on-demand programming of Seattle's PBS station, KCTS 9. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit crosscut.com. Crosscut Reports is a product of Cascade Public Media. I'm Sarah Bernard. We'll be back soon with another episode.